0: everyone. Welcome back to Well Then, a podcast where we talk about all things wellness and putting your health first. I'm your host, Megan Scherer. And I can't even tell you how excited I am to introduce today's guest. I know that I say I'm excited about my guests all the time. And that's absolutely true because they're all such amazing and brilliant people and thought leaders in their industries with wonderful stories to share. But today's guest is really special to me because he's somebody that I can totally geek out on nutrition and functional medicine and all things wellness with for days on end. Um, So I'm really, really, truly excited to introduce our guest today, Dr. Will Cole, leading functional medicine expert who consults people around the world via webcam at drwillcole.com and locally in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Cole was named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation and is a health expert for Mind, Body, Green, and Goop. Dr. Cole is the author of the upcoming book, The Inflammation Spectrum, in which he explores how inflammation exists on a spectrum within the body, the various systems it can affect, and how you can discover your individual food triggers to overcome chronic inflammation. He is also the author of Ketotarian, in which he melds the powerful benefits of a ketogenic diet with a plant-based one. This guy has so much powerful wisdom to share, and I am so excited for you all to hear from him today. All right. Hi, Will. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh my goodness. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you.
0: Me too. I, um, you know, I have a background in holistic nutrition and definitely geek out about all things health, and you are somebody I, I very much look up to in the wellness space. So I'm excited to um, pick your brain a little bit and, and get uh, our listeners to hear more about you and, and your background and the work that you do
1: yeah I, I I geek out about it too so we're we're in good company and yeah. I'm sure everyone's going to love this
0: perfect well, so for anybody who's listening who this may be a new frontier for them, can you just kind of briefly explain what functional medicine is
1: yeah so um I am a functional medicine practitioner. I primarily see patients online, so we primarily have a virtual clinic where we do and we do online group classes as well. Uh, my goal is functional medicine, more accessible and more affordable to more people around the world. Um, the differences between functional medicine and mainstream medicine, if you had to break it down, number one is that we in functional medicine, we interpret labs using a thinner reference range. So anybody knows, like when they get their lab from their conventional doctor, they ha- they'll have like their number and then they'll they're being compared to this reference range, this X to Y interval of numbers. Well, that reference range is largely based on a statistical bell curve average of people who go to labs. People that predominantly go to labs aren't the healthiest bunch of people, sadly. So there's a lot of people that go to the doctor to say like, hey, I I don't feel good or I have these symptoms. Can you check into this? Can you check my hormones? Can you check... My whatever, and then the labs come back largely or entirely "quote unquote" normal, even though the person knows, like, "heck, I, this is not normal for me." But they're told, "Hey, you know, there's nothing wrong here. You're just depressed. Here's an antidepressant. You're just getting older. You just need to lose weight." All of sort of these well-intentioned reasons as as to why you could be having symptoms despite "quote unquote" normal labs. What they're unintentionally saying is, "You're a lot like the other people." With health problems that are making up this reference range that we're comparing you to so in functional medicine we're taking people with health issues out of the reference range to compare you to optimal vibrant wellness which is a much thinner range within that larger reference range that the lab is providing to actually look at the gray areas to look at the spectrum of optimal health to health problems And then the second thing we do in functional medicine is we run more comprehensive labs to get to the root cause of why people are going through health issues. So based on a comprehensive health history that we start with, we find out what labs are the most relevant for you. So we're not over-testing, but we're not under-testing either. We're being comprehensive, but still being practical and cost-effective. So this is where a good health history is so important. So we can look at things like microbiome issues, like underlying gut problems, or things like hormonal imbalances, or toxicity issues, chronic viral infections, mold issues. I mean, it's a whole litany of possibilities, but we want to look at the most, what are the stones, so to speak, that are most likely to have something underneath it so we can get some evidence-based objective data and a baseline to see what we're up against because we have to know what we're up against to do something about it. And many people are floundering to find out like, why they feel the way that they do. And we can give We can shed light on these underlying pieces of the puzzle. And then the third thing we do differently in functional medicine is we realize we're all different. So we're all, there's no cookie cutter, one size fits all approach to getting well. And what works for one person may not work for you. So we try to keep an open mind. We look at these labs, we look at the health history, and we use life as a lab to see what works and what doesn't for their body. So we're using different modalities. We're using food as medicine to find out what foods foods work for your body and what doesn't. We're all different there. Uh, We're using natural medicine protocols, we're using advanced protocols, we're using medications when needed. As a field of functional medicine, this is what we're doing. So I get the privilege of seeing patients around the world. I love what I do. So my day job is seeing patients and consulting them about this stuff uh, where I get to talk to people in all different parts of the world that I probably never get to visit personally. But through the power of the internet, we can be that functional medicine coaching and providing them that clinical experience that people so desperately need uh, So in so many cases.
0: I'm so, so glad that you dove into that because that was one thing I really wanted you to explain to people is the major differences between the, the functional medicine approach to chronic illness and disease and the more traditional Western medicine approach, um, which, you know, so many people get sort of caught in this hamster wheel or, or lost in the system of and never properly diagnosed with the, the symptoms um, that they're experiencing.
1: Totally. I mean, it's, it's definitely needed. Um, when you look at the ubiquity of chronic health problems, it's growing by leaps and bounds, and we need to do something different to see something different. And people are looking at the system from us. It's just unsustainable, uh, right. both on a global economic level, a national economic level, but also a personal economic and just quality of life level. This is unsustainable.
0: And I'm sure this is a much bigger conversation and kind of a loaded question, but do you have any um, like personal opinions on, on why the system is the way that it is? Because functional medicine makes so much more sense. Like It just makes sense to look at the whole person and everything that's going on with them on every level rather than just putting band-aids on problems. So why did our medical system evolve this way?
1: yeah I think it is that's a big question with a Huge, lot of yeah, different, yeah. a lot. There's a lot of different moving parts to it. so it's not a simple answer, and I can't encapsulate all the moving variables in you know a couple of minutes. and I'm by no means an expert on you know, the economic reasons, the political reasons. I think it's a lot of different reasons. but bigger thing is is that functional medicine is largely moving into the mainstream like never before. The Cleveland Clinic has a functional medicine center. Many mainstream hospitals and medical centers have functional medicine centers and integrative medicine centers. So we no longer can be ignored because the Cleveland Clinic, the amazing Cleveland Clinic and other institutions like it, uh, know their allegiance is to their patients. Mm-hmm. Not, not to a system that's not working for us. So we need to wake up and realize this is not just some fringe quack sort of thing anymore. This is mainstream and we are only mainstream because what they're doing currently isn't working. And this is not just us versus them at all. Another word for functional medicine is integrative. Like, let's come together. There's a place for mainstream medicine. We are not abolishing mainstream medicine. We are not replacing mainstream medicine. We have amazing advancements in surgery. There are life-saving medications when needed. But we're just asking the question, what is their most effective option that causes them the least amount of side effects? And for some people, medications are needed, and it fits the criterion. And for some people, surgeries are needed, and that's life-saving. But w- there are so many examples with under the umbrella of chronic health problems, autoimmune conditions, that there isn't an option for people other than a growing prescription list yet that's and that's the only option that's given to them in conventional medicine so the cleveland clinic with the functional medicine center there us in private practice are coming together as well to say look let's offer people the options that are effective that are low cost and also sustainable because as the person's getting healthier they're not paying for their disease anymore Mm -hmm. and that saves the insurance industry lots of money i think more and more of these big uh, monolithic corporations and sort of these um, relations, relationships they have with the modern healthcare system, they'll start to evolve, but I think there has to be like, it's going to take a long time. Uh, it's It's very, very slow to respond, because. but at the end of the day, you what you said is true. This is good for the system. It's good for the person. It's good for all people all around. Um, and- you know i I think in the same way, it's still good for the pharmaceutical companies too. It's still good. there's still a place for medications, and right. I think if we're all in the place of getting the person better, you shouldn't be over prescribing medications anyways. so I think that there's there's never going to be an a uh, complete absolution of pharmaceutical industry nor should i think there should i don't think they should be abolished i think that there's a place for the free market and a place for place for people having options not everybody wants to change their life too there's always going to be people that are customers for the pharmaceutical industry so they should no one should be threatened no one should try to be silenced because it's just people trying like trained professionals trying to help people and i really that's that's my message
0: Mm, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And like you said, we, we really are all on the same team at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Trying to
0: help people. How did you personally get started in medicine and what made you want to pursue the functional medicine path?
1: Well, I grew up in a home that was interested in wellness and health and things like that. My dad was like into alternative healthcare. He owned a gym, like a gold gym in like 80s, like Oh wow! I I, I thought everyone's dad like walked around in like turquoise speedos and like (laughs) did (laughs) the bodybuilding. He was like Mr. Pittsburgh in the '80s and like like was super tan with like oil all over him, and that was like normal for me like as a kid. So that was my upbringing, and I like went to the health food store and like ate different than my friends ate, and then I owned it for myself. It wasn't just something that we did it like at home. It was something that I one owned for myself and. This food evolution that I went through, I talk about it at length in my first book in Ketotarian, um, but basically this evolved way that I looked at food, and I formally was trained in in functional medicine because I knew I wanted to get to help people in this way. So I went to an integrative school, Southern California, University of Health Sciences in Los Angeles, and then I heard of a guy called Datis Karazine who's still today one of the godfathers of functional medicine. And it's so funny that I've never met him, and I, I talk about him on podcasts and things like that. But it's it's so funny that I still haven't met him. But basically, he's one of the godfathers of functional medicine. He'd gone to my school. He was older than I was, and he was talking about this field of healthcare called functional medicine. And um, it's really the best of both worlds. It's this marrying of the best of conventional medicine, which is being evidence-based, and the best of alternative health, which is getting to the root cause and healing somebody and using... Um, whatever means like, possible to be effective, but not causing side effects. Um, so that's uh, what, how I came into functional medicine formally. But all of that was informed with like my upbringing and my perspective on health and wellness and food and all of that stuff. So now, all these years later, I get to consult people around the world. It's super like a humbling um, I love it. I love coming to the clinic every day with my team and just saying like, look at all these amazing people around the world that we get to talk to, um, to deal with these health issues, to be beside them, proverbially speaking and, um, helping them through this and running these labs. I, I just love it so much. So, and I love writing about it too. So that's where my books came to, into play as well. Uh, so I wrote Ketotarian and I wrote my new books coming out, uh, this fall, October 15th is on pre pre-order now, depending on when people are listening to this, but it's called The Inflammation Spectrum. But all of my sort of functional medicine love is put into this second book because it's really what it is. It's, it's, It's people to take these principles of functional medicine that you and I are talking about, but into their own life so they can start moving their health in a positive direction.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to to dive into that more. I know your your upcoming book, The Inflammation Spectrum, um helps people identify food triggers and sensitivities and how they can identify where inflammation is occurring in different parts of their body. Can you explain why that's important and and what impact it can have on somebody's health?
1: Yeah, so the the concept of the inflammation spectrum is something that I wrote I wrote about in Ketotarian in my first book. It's a mostly plant-based ketogenic book. And I talk about this concept of the inflammation spectrum. So I knew from my second book that I wanted to have a deep dive into this concept because the reason why I talked about it in the first book is because beta-hydroxybutyrate, the ketone that your body naturally produces in ketosis and fasting, is anti-inflammatory it's an epigenetic modulator and basically it does really cool things to our body by lowering inflammation and upregulating these pro antioxidant pathways and i get into the science nerdy stuff in the book but i wanted to talk about this concept of the inflammation spectrum at large beyond just beta hydroxybutyrate and just other lifestyle practical real life stuff that everybody that's listening could implement so Uh it's actually has more of a mass appeal um and more people would be more inclined to learn about it because it's impacting so many people because inflammation is really the common link between just about every health problem that we face as a society today. So we look at things like the rates of diabetes. It's estimated that 50% of the United States is insulin resistant and it's either pre-diabetic, diabetic, pre- uh, metabolic syndrome, or just insulin resistant Um then when you look at the rate of heart disease and cancer and one in two, one in three or one in four people, well, God, God forbid, but they, people are dying from this on a regular basis. And then you look at the rate of autoimmune diseases. 50 million Americans have an autoimmune disease. And then the levels of anxiety and depression and fatigue and brain fog. These are all, even these mental health issues that they're thinking are just mental health. Mental health is physical health. Mm-hmm. All of these health problems have one thing in common. And that's chronic inflammation so let's look at this commonality between all of these health issues that are sadly plaguing the human race today and ask the question what's going on here so inflammation is a commonality so let's find ways to calm inflammation and it will improve and reverse and overcome and manage and support all of these health issues, that because they are in most cases all improvable, all reversible, all overcomable, all healable to varying degrees, uh, by dealing with these underlying root factors. So while inflammation is this is a functional medicine term, but inflammation is downstream because it's like, it's an effect like something's causing the inflammation, but it's also upstream because it's this big vicious cycle. Inflammation will beget other problems because the body's so brilliantly in- interconnected. So You have to deal with inflammation you have to deal with what's causing it and you have to deal with the downstream effect of it too so um that's what i talk about but it exists on a spectrum one end of the inflammation spectrum is like mild fatigue brain fog maybe anxiety anxiousness these type of issues maybe weight loss resistance and then the other end of the inflammation spectrum is full blown icd-10 like diagnosis codes and they're labeled with diabetes or an autoimmune disease or God forbid, cancer, heart disease, these things. And then there's everything in between on this inflammation spectrum. So I wanted to educate people about the inflammation spectrum and then allow them to find out where they are at on the inflammation spectrum. So I have a quiz in the book that takes them through their health systems to allow them to find out where they're at on the inflammation spectrum. And then they'll get their own specific toolbox and they'll get their own specific plan because again, going back to what, how we started this conversation, functional medicine realizes we're all different. so I wanted to find a way to take that functional medicine information, but provide it for the reader that I'm not there physically or online, but they can start taking these principles into their own life. So beyond that, all of that stuff, the second part of the book is really to f- allow the reader to find out what their body loves and what their body hates, and we're all different. So this sort of experience... Experience and experiment for the person to find out what works for their body is really the second part of the, the book. And because when people know that, they have food freedom. They they have life freedom. They're not bound by another diet diet dogma or food shame. They can really can overcome that and transcend that to really just know, hey, I love feeling great. And now I feel so great that I've cal- because I've calmed inflammation, that I love my. Feeling great so much that I missing that food is not even a thing. Missing that food that makes me feel lousy is not even a, a thought because I'd rather feel great than I miss that food. And it's that that transition of food freedom and uh, food peace that I really wanted people to to get to get to.
0: Yeah, And I really love that, you know, obviously in the title of the book and and something you focus on so much is that it is a spectrum and, you know, people who are experiencing more mild symptoms, even like fatigue and, you know, weight loss resistance, headaches, things like that, that they might just be writing off those are actually messages and signs that their body is trying to tell them something, something deeper is going on. And I think it really empowers people to develop a stronger relationship with their body and really pay attention to the way they feel and the way certain foods make them feel so that they, at the end of the day, get to, get to kind of control the direction of their health.
1: Totally, yeah, it is. It's because people are disillusioned. I mean, there's so much conflicting information online you know, Dr. Google is a fickle person. Mm. Uh, and we can really say, okay, Dr. Google is great. It's how we're connecting right now. But let's like f- not get overwhelmed because then it becomes this sort of paralysis of analysis. It's like, I'm not going to do anything because I'm hearing all this conflicting information online. So hopefully, through functional medicine, like on a clinical level, but if somebody's not going to go see a functional medicine doctor, they can just pick up a book like The Inflammation Spectrum and they're like, hey, like Let's start moving the needle in a positive direction because, we ha- again, we cannot do the same thing repeatedly expecting a different result. We have to do something different to see something different. And it doesn't take a lot. A lot of these are low-cost, effective things for people to do, like everyday normal people to do. Uh, so it's really shouldn't be like an exclusive thing where just like the wealthy or like the celebrities of Hollywood gets to do this stuff. This is practical stuff that the people can do
0: yeah and so what are some of the lifestyle changes people can make to to mitigate these effects of of inflammation um, while kind of identifying what part, parts of their bodies are the most reactive areas
1: well I, I would start with finding out where they're at on the inflammation spectrum so we have the quiz in the book but we also have the quiz at drwillcole.com. if they want to go and just take the quiz and not buy the book right away um, they could just take the quiz there, and then it kind of tells them what areas they need to focus on, and then in the book, they get a toolbox, and each toolbox uh, has its own specific food lifestyle prescription, if you will, to support the things they 're trying to support so there 's seven main sections that I put on the inflammation spectrum there 's brain, there 's hormones, there 's blood sugar, there 's detox, there 's musculoskeletal there 's seven total, and then there 's an eighth section. That is uh, polyinflammation. it's because the body's interconnected, so you can have inflammation in more than one area, uh, so there's eight total uh, areas that we can talk about, uh, and then they go through these seven sections of seeing where they're at on the inflammation spectrum, and then if they have two high categories or three high categories, that would be polyinflammation too um, so that's your starting point. Then you'll get your own toolbox based on your specific area that you scored highest in or the higher ones you, sc- the ones you scored higher in. Um, and then based on that quiz score total, like the sum of all those seven categories on the quiz, they have a different plan based on their score. So we're able to really use food to calm inflammation and then you, focusing on fun recipes that we have in the book. There's a meal plan in the book. And then they can try to use this to not just calm inflammation for food, but I also bring into the play these non-food inflamers because it's not just about food. And sometimes we're overly myopic and say, well, it's just food and it's only food. We know food's a modulator for inflammation. It can improve our health in many cases and in major ways, but let's not be over simplistic, even with just food. So we talked about not, we talk about non-food inflamers in the book. I, I mentioned toxins. I talk about uh, like our relationship with social media, our stress about food um, and like the rise of orthorexia or so sort of this disordered stress and anxiety about eating healthy foods. So there's all this conversation because I I've seen it. This is like what I live and breathe consulting patients. And I have seen you know, well-intentioned people just go about it all the wrong way. So I really wanted to give people a roadmap to start taking agency, having agency on their, on their life again, or maybe for the first time in their life. Some people have problems with food and health ever since they were little kids. So maybe for the first time in their life, they can start having um, a clarity as to what works for their body and what doesn't.
0: Right. And, you know, as you mentioned before, there's just no cookie cutter approach. Everybody's body is so unique and and responds so differently to different things. So are inflammation fighting foods the same for everyone or do those really differ as well?
1: They are, there's some commonalities. I mean, there's definitely some commonalities, but based how I put it in the book is that because based on your toolbox, you all have different focal points, focal points based on your quiz score. Um, but there's obviously commonalities. It's all real food. Mm -hmm. It's all like, you're not like eating any strange stuff. Like it's maybe strange to some people, but it's just all practical stuff you can get at, very accessible things like you can get most of the food, if not all the food at Aldi and Walmart and Costco and Sam's club and target, like the stuff, places that I shop at, you can get Almost all, if not every food that you need here, some of the specialty herbs and things like that, you may want to go um, to like a health food store for that, but the predominant like the foundation food stuff you can get at all these accessible stores, um, but you 'll get your own focal points based on your quiz score, so to answer your question yes there's commonalities, but there's definitely some specificities uh, based on on the quiz score and where they 're at on the inflammation spectrum um, but yeah. I- and they, were, and they were focusing on calming things, you know, inflammation calming things in general. So they have that link, but it's definitely going to look different depending on where you're at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And something something you mentioned that I'd love to touch on more as well is um, orthorexia and people who end up developing like an unhealthy obsession with, with eating only healthy foods are restricting to certain types of foods in their diet. How often do you see people come to you in your clinic and have this frustration because they feel like they're doing everything right? Like they feel like they're eating all these healthy foods and they're working out and they're taking care of themselves, but they're still experiencing a lot of like inflammatory symptoms. Is, is that something that you see a lot?
1: Definitely. I mean, because most of the time I'm seeing patients that are very well read, like most of my patients know a lot about health. They have done their research. Many are in the healthcare field themselves. Um, So there's no lack of erudition, but they're, they're, they're overwhelmed with the amount of information and they're still struggling. They're doing all the things, but still feel lousy. So I'm used to difficult cases. And because of that real life, like physiological, no doubt about it, real health problems that can create this mental emotional trauma. And then they know certain foods don't make them feel well, but be, then it starts spiraling out of control that there's so much food disillusionment that they don't know up from down. And they, then they start really creating this disordered eating because of that mental emotional trauma about, around their health problems and the reaction that food is giving them that it creates things like orthorexia, which is basically, again, disordered eating and shame and stress and anxiety and, and fear around foods um, and, and all foods and healthy foods. So we need to not only heal physiological issues, like the problems that oftentimes cause us in the first place, but we also need to heal the mental emotional trauma, which by no means is a quick fix. And by no means is this like a simple answer, but we have to look at that this person, this This person that's going through all this heavy stuff, we need to look at them as a whole and look at what this is going to take to not only heal physically, but heal mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Um, So this is uh, our work. This is what we do for our patients. Um, And we're with them for anywhere between five, six months to two years dealing with these things and pointing them into the direction of healing, uh, which definitely is important because you can have the food right, like you said, that you got all the food down but you're having all this other mental trauma because of what you've gone through. So, and this is well documented in the scientific literature too, is that people that have gone through bad stuff, they're more prone to triggering these autoimmune issues and these flare ups. So it's important to look at not just the physical stuff, but the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of health as well.
0: Yeah. I love that you bring that up because oftentimes people do, you know, have they're in seemingly good health and then they get in a car accident or they go through a divorce or lose their job. And all of a sudden this autoimmune condition flares up and they feel like it kind of came out of nowhere, but it's, it's really just such a testament to how intertwined the mental and physical and emotional really are. Totally. Yeah. I love that you also point out that, you know, it, you could start to see some positive change in a few months or it could be two years. Like mm-hmm. really making these changes is, is making a huge commitment to your, your long-term health and longevity. And it's not just, you know, a 30-day fix kind of no,
1: thing. Totally. <clears throat> not, no, totally not at all. And I mentioned that in the book, in the inflammation spectrum. I say like, I want to see you moving in the right direction in weeks and months, but it doesn't mean you're going to be 100% in weeks or months it make, it's going to take a long time for, for, I mean, I don't want to say a long time. It's going to take relatively a long time compared to weeks and days, but it's our culture. It's like this social media, like it sounds so good. And before social media, it was books and magazines and things like that. We like things that are quick fixes, but we all are smart enough to know at this point, we've been marketed to left and right. Nothing's going to happen overnight. And we have, what took years to get to where people are at, today it's going to take some time to get out and again it's not going to be like months before you see any changes but it's going to be this gradual spectrum of healing as well um so it's definitely important point to, to to make um but to encourage them through it and be there with them um and people if they know they have a support system and structure they know they're heard they know that they're with people that have seen this before It's so, that's cathartic in and of itself. I honestly think that, like, the healing starts with my patients oftentimes, not all the time, but there's a move needle in the right direction when they don't have to micromanage and stress about their health anymore. And they have, they know they can just sigh a sense of relief that they know they have a team and a a functional medicine practitioner that understands them. Um, Because isolation, uh, the sort of isolation that a lot of people, some, a lot of people find themselves with because they, on the outside, many times they look quote unquote normal, but mm-hmm. people don't know what it takes to get through the day with something like chronic fatigue or autoimmune conditions. So it's, um, it's really healing to know that this is part of the journey and you have people that understand you around you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That is that's crucial, especially when it comes to those invisible symptoms that people can't see from the outside and and you feel like you have to justify <laughs> that you're not feeling well, that, that can be that can be traumatic in itself.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely.
0: So on this healing journey, when when um, people start to, oh. you know, work with a functional medicine doctor and really work to understand what's going on in their body and heal it. Um, As they identify food triggers and sensitivities, do you often see that people are able to heal or reverse those sensitivities and go back to eating certain foods that used to trigger them without being symptomatic?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So the goal is to restore immune balance and immune tolerance and immune intestinal barrier integrity um, and all of these aspects of immunoreactivity or inflammation. Um, so they could, in theory, and I see this many times, they can reintroduce things that maybe once caused them problems aren't causing them problems anymore because they have improved immune tolerance and lowered inflammation and impo- improved intestinal integrity. So that, that that's definitely the goal. Um, but that's going to take time. I mean, research estimates that uh, it takes about 18 to 24 months and back to the, that two-year mark for people with these intestinal permeability or leaky gut syndrome issues or these autoimmune type problems to start to calm and heal that gut immune axis. When you're talking about inflammation, inflammation is a product of the immune system. And it's important to point out that inflammation is not inherently bad. It's balance that's, that's, that's important. A lack of balance is a problem. So it's the Goldilocks principle. We need immune system to, do, to, to produce inflammation, to fight viruses and bacteria and heal our body. But we don't want inflammation out of balance. So that's the problem with all those health issues that I mentioned. It's not inflammation inherently bad. It's inflammation out of balance that's not good. So, um, so to heal these cascades, because when you talk about inflammation, 75% of the immune system, and inflammation is a product of the immune system, 75% of that inflammation or that immune system resides in the microbiome in the gastrointestinal system. So there's a lot of gut-centric inflammation that we have to talk about in general as a society. And I talk about it in the book to really educate people on what's actually fueling a lot of people's inflammation. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it takes time, um, but without a doubt, there's so much power that we wield with lifestyle choices in overwhelmingly the majority of cases.
0: Mm. And that's, I think, reassuring for so many people, because I think, like you said earlier, people do get to the point where they're like, you know what, I'd rather eliminate a food if I know that I'm going to feel better without eating it. Um, but some people still struggle with, like, the mental, emotional side of feeling like they're restricting foods and feeling like they're never going to be able to eat a certain food or a favorite food ever again. So it's, it's always helpful to know that there's, there's hope for that in, when you do commit to the path of long-term healing.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, there's just still so much hope for people and obviously to varying degrees. My goal is to get them better as much as their body will allow. And some people it's, you know, 30%, some people it's 70%, some people it's a hundred percent, but any step in the right direction is better than staying the same or getting worse, which Mm. is most people's destiny in that sort of system of, well, there's nothing you can do about it. Just, just take this pill and see you later. Well, okay. A pill may be a piece of the puzzle while you're in crisis mode but how can we heal how can we heal what can we do to heal let's ask the questions at the very least and see what options you have but most people aren't even asking the questions
0: i think that is such an important part of not just health but life in general is learning to ask better questions like getting more curious about why things are happening and what can be done differently rather than just accepting everything as it is
1: certainly yeah totally i and that's Absolutely. What I why I write what I write and we talk about what I talk about to just spark curiosity as to like what are my options in my life. Because this is beyond healthcare. This is life right. care. This is just like how how is your quality of life? And let's start doing things to start to elevate it.
0: Yeah. And you know, a big part of what we talk about on this show as well is that that exact concept that it's so much more than just what you're eating or your health. Like there's so many aspects that go into living a really full and vibrant life. And one thing we talk about a lot is mental health. Um, I know you mentioned that earlier and I think I might've seen, I get the mind body green emails and I think I might've seen an article come into my inbox recently that you wrote about foods that support mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you share some of those with, with us and how food can impact mental health in a positive way?
1: Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I love my body green. I've, writ, I've written for them for years and they're good friends of mine. Um, the, I, I don't know exactly what article you're talking about. I've written like, a lot, but basically I think it's, there's, I, I, I saw on social media, they posted one about anxiety, but let's just talk about mental health in general and foods because it's so important. So our brain is 60% fat Right. So in 25% of all our body's cholesterol is in our brain. So you have to focus on healthy fats uh, as a foundation. It's not the only thing you have to do, but focusing on healthy fats like avocados and avocado oil and olives and olive oil, wild caught fish, nuts and seeds. These are healthy fats to help fuel a healthy brain. Healthy omega fats helps with the phospholipid membrane of our cells, especially the brain, which is rich with these healthy fats, healthy monounsaturated fats to help with these uh, calming inflammation and restoring healthy uh, cellular function too, and hormone function and neurotransmitter function. And um, so that's healthy fats. Uh, And then adaptogens are another one to help with brain function. So things like lion's mane, for example, it's an adaptogenic mushroom. It can improve nerve growth factors of the brain. Uh, and it's some promising studies looking at not just lion's mane, but other adaptogens uh, out there. I love holy basil and t- or Tulsi, as it's referred to in Ayurvedic, traditional Indian medicine. Uh, I actually put Tulsi in a formula that I I've collaborated with uh, Agent Nator. I don't know if you heard of Agent Natur. They are, are like a natural beauty line, but they have mm-hmm. their only supplement. I formulated that for them. Uh, it's called uh, Holy Youth. It has marine collagen and holy basil, which is the adaptogen, spirulina, which is the superfood, and pearl, which is a, another traditional Chinese medicine um, adaptogen as well. Um, so th- that's great for the brain. I love superfoods like that. And spirulina is fantastic. Marine collagen is great for the gut brain axis and providing the body clean protein, which is building blocks for a healthy brain. Um, and uh, yeah, so those are some some things that I love for the for the brain. Uh, but I could go on and on forever <laughs> about right. it. But th- those are some things to to consider.
0: Yeah, and I love that. Like I am the same. I could go on and on forever about all the foods that that can help support our health, our mental health, our physical health. But I just love like reiterating for people how like you really do get to be in the driver's seat. Like you get to go and and find these naturally occurring herbs and foods and supplements that can support your health in a positive way rather than mm-hmm. um, kind of just being a victim to symptoms that you experience.
1: Right. And they should start there. They should start yeah. there and then give it time. And then from there, there's a place for medications when needed. But I think they have to start with the foundation. Otherwise, they um, they don't know what their body can do on its own if they don't give it the chance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing I want to touch on too, you mentioned earlier, your first book that you wrote ketotarian. Um, and I think that, you know, as with everything else that we've been talking about, there's so much conflicting information out there, especially on Google and social media about different diets and lifestyles and ways of eating. And I think that even with all the information out there still when a lot of people think of the keto diet they think bacon and butter and lots of other high fat animal products so can you explain what what your approach to the keto diet is with ketotarian and why it's effective
1: yeah so i i um this ketotarian was really born out of my own personal experience and i talk about it in the book and then also seeing i i've co-hosted keto talk which is a Podcast for the past two years. Um, and I've seen how to do the ketogenic the right way and the wrong way. And then also seeing patients, tons of patients that do the ketogenic diet. And that's certainly not the only type of patient that I see, but it's a lot of patients that are, again, into the health and wellness and biohacking and they're experiencing with different macronutrients and fasting. And they're well read people. So I've seen what works and what doesn't in a lot of people. And then in my own life. Uh, so I wanted to get the benefits of ketosis, which is anti-inflammatory, beta-hydroxybutyrate. Again, I mentioned earlier, but it works on these pro-inflammatory pathways like NF-kappa-B and COX-2 and the NRP-3 inflammasome, basically calming inflammation and upregulating these pro-antioxidant, anti-disease uh, pathways, like NRF-2 pathway, the MPK pathway. Uh, so that's fantastic. Let's do that. But let's do it without eating bacon and butter all day long and consider that a long-term sustainable diet for most humans on the earth. It's not going to be for most people. Uh, And then the long-term impact that that's going to have in the gut microbiome, which largely, not entirely, but gets its diversity from um, fiber, from vegetables. Uh, And Uh, The impact that can have on your uh, – I love the fact that ketosis can improve brain function and become a fat burner, gain metabolic flexibility. So basically, let's get all the awesome health benefits of ketosis, this fat burning, brain boosting, inflammation calming, uh, uh, craving, crushing – modality let's do it without doing it dirty keto way so let's go keto clean keto way Uh, and that's what ketotarian is there's vegan keto vegetarian keto and pescatarian keto options so it can be exclusively plant-based or mostly plant-based as the cover implies uh, but all like clean fresh foods Whole foods, um, at where you're focusing on macronutrients and high fat, moderate protein, lower carbohydrate, like the ketogenic diet is, but it's filling in the high fat, moderate protein, lower carb with healthy, clean foods um, and not fearing vegetables, which feeds into that orthorexia that I see problematic, not just in the keto community across the world, but also in the keto community where they're spazzing out about eating vegetables because they're afraid of the fiber and the carbs and the, oh my gosh, it's like, it's not good for your health to stress about vegetables that much.
0: No, that's so, so wild.
1: It's a problem. I mean, yeah. it's a problem. So I, let's just do keto clean way. Let's teach people, let's educate people. And again, that, that doesn't mean that I'm against like the carnivore diet or like, I think that there's a time and place for a lot of these things, but what's right for you And then what's right for you at this point doesn't mean it's going to be right for you down the road. So I wanted to come up with a sustainable, clean, lifestyle way, not a fad diet way to get the benefits of ketosis.
0: I love that. Yeah. Because like vegetable fear, that's terrifying. (laughs) Like it's... was more understandable when you know the fruit fear conversation was was getting a lot more press because people were kind of fearing high sugar and all that but for people to be fearing vegetables in their diet is alarming and so bad for long-term health
1: yeah i agree i agree
0: so for somebody who wants to try out like a a vegan or more plant-based ketotarian diet or uh, keto diet um What do you recommend as some uh, vegan uh, protein sources for them?
1: Uh, So vegan uh, keto and ketotarian, we talk about essential amino acids and getting a array of them, and you can get that as long as you're being thoughtful about it. So nuts and seeds have protein, Mm -hmm. uh, spirulina has protein, um, and then I allow for organic non-GMO fermented soy like tempeh and natto. Uh, And then vegetables have various amounts of proteins too. So it's going to be a combination of those to get the essential amino acids that your body's not getting from food alone. And then the vegetarian keto brings in organic pasture-raised eggs um, and ghee, and then the pescatarian keto options and ketotarian allows for the wild caught fish. And obviously, the more you're willing to open up to these other clean keto options, you're gonna have more variety. Um, But there's some people I know because of personal preference or religion or, you know, ethical reasons that they'll want to stay completely vegan keto. So I wanted to teach them to do that in a way that makes sense for biochemistry and optimal health. But I bring up the bioavailability concerns in the book, Uh, and I'm just hopefully educating people of how to do this the right way, no matter what they decide to do. But I find that most people want to feel great as long as they're doing it sustainably for themselves and the planet and Mm -hmm. making smart choices from a, from a foods, like a farming standpoint. And then I bring those concerns. I calm those concerns, hopefully. So people can have more flexibility, but still not, um, you know, they can still can do what Their conscious is telling them to do.
0: Yeah, and I love that that you basically empower them with all the information, and then they get to make the the best decision for them for their body and for their you know moral or religious preferences as well. Mm -hmm. And so, some one other one other thing that I, I like to talk about with people is how you know our ideal diet for ourselves for our own body evolves so many times throughout our lifetime, and that. I think it's silly to assume that we're going to eat like one specific way, like a limited group of foods for the rest of our lives. Um, So is that something that you find in your own life that has evolved? Like sometimes you might lean more towards plant-based and then other times you might have more animal products in your diet based on whatever the state of your health is at that time, or if you're training for something, or if you happen to be experiencing more stress, um, kind of like modifying based on whatever season of your life that you're in.
1: Totally. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and that's in keto we, t- I talk about gaining metabolic flexibility. So you go eight weeks, mostly plant-based keto, and then you can find that sweet spot in personalizing it. So you can do a cyclical approach or a seasonal approach or do it whenever you want to reset like there's so much variability but people have to gain metabolic flexibility and not always be just sugar burners they have to become fat burners and they have to put that time in to allow their metabolism to become a fat burner again um but after that then people can find that grace and lightness which is really the message of the inflammation spectrum um my second book is because people need to regain that food piece uh, and not be so stuck on one way of eating for the rest of their life. So people can start finding that grace and the lightness in food again, and regaining that food piece. That's really what I wanted to convey in a larger way um, in the inflammation spectrum, because you're right, it's not. It's really not good. It's not helpful to be so obsessed about food in, in a way that's so dogmatic and punitive and obsessive and shaming and uh, that's that's the antithesis of what my work is in seeing patients. That's the antithesis of I know for the human soul uh, for it to be sustainable.
0: Yeah. Wow. I, those are two of my favorite words, too, grace and lightness. So that is, I mean, who wouldn't want to feel that way? I, that's, yeah. that's amazing. I'm excited to read The Inflammation Spectrum when it comes out.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So the last question I love to ask people who come on the show is, you know, besides all the things that we've been talking about today and um, inflammation, calming foods and habits, what is one other wellness habit that you swear by or can't live without?
1: Hmm. I have been doing, I, I, I do, I've always done this or I've done this for years, I should say, um, time, different time restricted feeding, like windows, like different types of intermittent fasting. Um and I've been playing around with this 22 to two fasting to eating window, what they call OMAD or OMAD, O-M-A-D, uh, one meal a day. Uh, and uh, you don't, I don't recommend everybody do this all day, every day. It's definitely not what I'm saying, but I've been experimenting with this. I talk about it uh, in the inflammation spectrum and ketotarian, different ways to do this. Um, but it's a way to sort of enhance the anti-inflammatory benefits of fasting to increase autophagy or cellular recycling, sort of anti-aging, anti-disease pathways. Um, so that's what I've been doing, where I will just drink um, Earl Grey tea, Earl, and Earl Grey tea has bergamot, which is a citrus from Calabria in Italy, and it's been shown in the scientific literature to upregulate autophagy pathways. So the, with the bergamot, the polyphenols and the black tea of Earl Grey uh, tea, uh, plus fasting increases autophagy, ketosis increases autophagy. And so I'm fascinated by that. Uh, that's like a a wellness routine that I really am enjoying lately. Um, and I also have this cinnamon tea with bergamot in it as well. Like if for people that don't want, it's not my tea. What am I saying? They're, these teas are from Peak <laughs> Tea. <laughs> they're just uh, a great brand. They're friends of mine, but they're Um, They have like powdered tea. So I have their Earl Grey tea. I have their Bergamot tea. I love it. I have my adaptogen from Agent Nator, Holy Youth uh, after I'm fasting, when I'm fasting, because I don't want any additional proteins in it. So I'll save like the adaptogens and the collagens and the foods into that two hour window. But I have to make sure that I'm getting enough calories in those two hour windows. Definitely not for everybody, but it's sort of a deeper fasting protocols and I'm fascinated about right now.
0: Oh, that's so cool. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for days and just geek out (laughs) about about all of your knowledge on this, on this kind of stuff. It's amazing.
1: Well, thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing. So um, I know you mentioned your, your new book comes out um, October 15th. So where can people find the book? Where can they find you um, if they want to find out more about working with you or just following uh, what you're up to?
1: Yeah, that, thanks. So everything's at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W I L L C O L E dot com. They can get pre-order the book there. You can get the the book on um Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Indie Books, all the all of the book places. Um, and, and uh we offer free webcam or phone health evaluation if people want to see a functional medicine right for them is right for them and get their questions answered. And we offer this new online group class, which I'm super pumped about because it it allows us to talk to 100 people at once. Um, so we're still doing the one on one as a day to day thing, but once a month we're holding these online functional medicine group classes where we're drop shipping labs to them and able to like, have this conversation in a one hour versus what would take 100 hours with 100 people in the class. So I'm really excited about that. All that information is at drwillcole.com.
0: Amazing. We will link all of that information in the show notes. So everybody listening, um, I highly recommend going to his website, ordering a copy of the book, following him on social media and all the things because um, like I said, there's a lot, to, a lot to learn, a lot to geek out on and he, he shares some very valuable stuff. So thank you so much, Dr. Cole, for coming on the show today and sharing all of this and um, having a, an awesome and interesting conversation with me.
1: Yeah. Anytime. Thanks again.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And for everybody listening, um, make sure you subscribe for updates if you haven't already on my website, empowered-bodies.com. And as always, until next time, have a happy and healthy day.